bandwidth for this episode of Priority One is brought to you by Geek Nation Tours. Visit www.geeknationtours.com to book your next shore leave. Command codes verified. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Welcome to a very special episode 85 of Priority One, recorded on Thursday, June 14th, 2012, and hosted on our brand new PriorityOnePodcast.com website. PriorityOnePodcast.com! I'm Adrian. I'm Elijah. And for the empty spot in all of our hearts, there is James, but he is not with us because he is uh, doing some cross-planetary training for a new fleet action or something like that. I don't know. Calling it now, but really it's just called an accident because we accidentally left him on Bajor and he's making the best of it. A very special shout out to all the members in our live stream channel joining us this evening. What's up, everybody? So uh, what do we have in store for this week's episode, Elijah? What makes it so special? Ooh, well, in this episode's Blank of the Week, we actually look into a Kickstarter project for a new sci-fi series. We'll find out what happened this week in Trek. And in Stone News, we cover the well-received but crash-landed Tier 5 Akira. Oh, wait, and, and what's this? What? Something. Just coming into the Priority One newsroom, we have a Priority One communique from Starfleet. I have just been informed that Dan Stahl, executive producer of Star Trek Online, will help celebrate our one-year anniversary by joining us in this episode, so stay tuned. And, of course, before wrapping up, we'll be reviewing incoming transmissions from you, our loyal listeners. But before we get on with the show, let's uh, do the regular housekeeping. I hope you iTunes listeners have updated your rss feeds now that we've moved to our own site you won't be getting the latest episodes not unless you subscribe to feeds.feedburner.com slash trek it out slash priority one it's a long link but if you go to priority one podcast.com it's very easy for you to subscribe so be sure to go to priority one podcast.com again that's priority one podcast.com one is spelled out o-n-e hmm <laughs> Also, don't forget your tickets for the upcoming Star Trek convention in Vegas. Priority One Podcast will be there, representing, and it'll be a blast. Well, let's set a course for this episode's... Oh, wait, What's something's that? coming in. I, I don't know. Do you what? hear that? What? what? Yeah. No, no. So, he's, so said, you can stay, but the fring and the gorilla suit's got to go. What? What is this? It's James. Did, did no. he hit the button? Uh, no, this, this android I know told me the joke. So. <laughs> oh, he hit a com or something? I don't know. Uh, don't James. J Hello? James? Oh, hey. The guys are here, Tay. Hey, you get out of here. I'll see you later. Thanks. 
for the Romulan ale. Do the best. Hey, don't go spying on no one. (laughs) Was there something important that you wanted to to, to tell us? Why are you calling? Are you listening in on this? No, you called me, right? No, you called us. No, no, I'm I'm drinking Romulan ale with tape. Well, it sounds like it. I think I can smell it through the frequencies. This is why I joined Starfleet, because you get to have adventures and drink Romulan ale with... I don't think that's what fleets are all about. With Romulans. (sighs) (laughs) All right, everybody, drink responsibly. You should, you should, you should talk to this guy about doing stuff. People everywhere from all over the universe are joining up to fight for the future. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part, too. They're doing their part. Are you? Join the ranks of brave warriors and officers. Explore and build a better universe for all your kind. Join the ranks of brave warriors and officers. Explore and build a better universe for all your kind. Fleet services guarantee special rewards. Strength in numbers. Together we can succeed. Never fight alone again. Make allies that will stay with you through thick and thin. You'll be recognized throughout the universe as part of a greater plan. There are many ways to earn respect of your peers. Serving is an honor. You can join the chosen few. Become part of a fleet. Or start your own. Sign up today. Go the fleet way. See your fleet recruiter now. On screen. On screen. On screen. You know what places? I don't know. It's the blank of the week. This episode's blank of the week is brought to us by Nathaniel Olson. If there's one thing seriously lacking nowadays is a good sci-fi space opera. I mean ser- I mean something serious like like Battlestar Galactica good, you know. But since the suits in corporate networks can't seem to get it right, perhaps it's time to take matters into our own hands. That's where websites like Kickstarter play a vital role in helping develop creative projects. One such project is titled Space Command by Mark Zakree. Now, Mark is no average filmmaker. This man has had a hand in everything from The Twilight Zone Companion, uh, episodes of Star Trek The Next Generation, Sliders, Deep Space Nine, Babylon 5, He-Man, the real Ghostbusters cartoon, and, and a lot, lot more. Uh, his latest endeavor, Space Command, promises to be a sci-fi series that we've all been waiting for. So for more information and to watch his uh, video pitch, head on over to kickstarter.com. Uh, our direct links, of course, will be in the show notes. When you visit the Kickstarter page, you'll see other familiar creative names like Doug Drexler. Uh, for actors, Armin Shimmerman, Ethan Phillips, even George Takei himself. So be sure to visit the site, and if you can spare some dough, help support the project. It uh, it looks pretty awesome, and uh, I think I might cough up some dough to, to, to help support them. Don't forget, if you have something you think the Stowe community would enjoy knowing about, submit your suggestions for a blank of the week to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Your submission could be the one we pick to highlight on next week's show. Why don't we go ahead and see what happened this week in Trek? June 13th, 1943, Malcolm McDowell is born. Famous British actor who played Dr. Soren in Star Trek Generations movie. Most famous for his role as Alex DeLarge in 1971's A Clockwork Orange. 
starred in Caligula, popped into Tank Girl, that movie, as the lead villain opposite Laurie Petty, who starred as Tank Girl, and who was also a guest star on Star Trek Voyager. Among hundreds of other film and television credits, and even with video games, including Fallout 3, he's set to get his star on Hollywood Walk of Fame too. so congrats to Malcolm McDowell. June 14th, 1966. First day of filming on the original series, The Enemy Within. And transporter room scenes, including the shots of, Sh of Scotty operating the transporter, which is reused in many subsequent episodes. And those are filmed this week. Also, treatment for the original series, This Side of Paradise, is submitted. June 14th, 1982, Gabriel Corner is born, a digital artist who became a famous Trekkie upon being featured on the documentary movie Trekkies. He appeared on The Drew Carey Show as the character Frank, which included many Star Trek references and jokes. Later, while employed at Eden FX, he worked on Star Trek Enterprise in the final season. The galaxy-class CGI model from Enterprise, These Are the Voyages, was created by Corner. He has also appeared in the fan film Star Trek Hidden Frontier as Captain Jilson. Other digital art was done for productions including Superman Returns, Speed Racer, and Battlestar Galactica. Also in June 14, 1996... Scenes with the Borg Queen and Data are filmed for Star Trek First Contact, the famous and sensual scene where the Borg Queen and Data enter my mind, with her breath over Data's newly engineered sensitive skin. June 15th, 1991. A very significant KDF Wharf episode airs on The Next Generation titled Redemption. Beautiful and complex and without giving too much away, uh, I thought it was a very powerful and important part of Klingon history. I also like the adorable moment between Worf and Guinan on the holodeck in the training session. And uh, lastly, we have June 16th, Picard Day. This is a, a, a fun holiday for us Trekkies. Uh, Picard Day. Uh, for a better world, browse through the magnificent and entertaining menagerie of Picardness at picardday.wordpress.com and celebrate Picard Day in style. Well, that wraps up this week in Trek. Let's move into Stone News. Computer status report. Status. Incoming message. I'm only in the mood for good news today. And this week in Stone News, we have Season 6, Dev Vlog number 5, the release of the heavy escort carrier, Armitage Class. Now, when this little blog came out, the forums were quite happy, to say the least. It's actually been a long time since I've seen the forum uh, and the community react so positively um, since, let's say, the first talk of Fleet Starbases. Everybody was pretty much happy about this the ship, and admittedly, were like, "Um, here's my twenty five dollars, cryptic. Here's my twenty five dollars," which is very good and very refreshing. Mm. Uh, for a full list of what the ship uh, actually has, be sure to check out StarTrekOnline.com. The links, of course, will be in the show notes. One awesome little power that this ship has is the photon torpedo point defense system, which is ultimately um, a whole lot of awesome. It will shoot. A lot of torpedoes. Guys, in the live chat room, did anybody else notice that in the dev blog, it said that the hull rating was 36,000, but then once it went on the sea store, it says that the hull rating is 30,000. So does mm. anybody know, has anybody bought it, and know which one is correct? They, Jog the Ferengi says it's 30,000. Basically, the same stats as my Defiant Retrofit. So I'm really only buying a console and a skin. Hmm. Am I that big of an Akira fan? Maybe. 
Maybe. I'm still I'm still debating whether or not I want to buy it. That point it's not really, actually it's not really any better than my Define except for that console. So, but if it had had the hull rating up to 36,000, that's an extra 6,000 hull points, and then it definitely would have been a no-brainer. But really, the the stats, the consoles, the, the everything's pretty much the same. Otherwise, yeah. But that console, like uh, the console, like Jog the Frankie, it three volleys of up to sixteen torpedoes. I'm I'm not denying that the the, the console is awesome, but am I willing to pay twenty five dollars for a console? But, yeah, you know, but you also have a hangar with the Peregrine uh, fighters, uh, and for some people that's going to mean a lot. But I don't care. I, I'm not a carrier guy. I, all I see there is more stuff to have to keep track of doing carrier controls. I don't really care about that. But I purely would have bought it for the skin, the console, and the higher hull rating. But now that the hull rating's gone, it's like, hmm, I'm, I'm really just buying a console at this point. And, and I mean the skin, because it is beautiful. I mean, there's no denying it's beautiful. And I can't wait to see some of the combos put together with all the different parts from the Akira, the Zephyr, uh, the uh, forget the other one, yeah, the Alyssa and and the uh, Thunderchild. So um, I can't wait to see all the different mixes that are going to be out there. It's going to look great. But, I, uh, I I'd like to see how um, how functional the torpedo launcher is. That point uh, defense system because I know people, you know, some people load the 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 turret. You know, they kind of go yay nay on it. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they do. But if this torpedo point defense system is epicness, then it might it might just be worth it. See, I want to urge I want to urge Cryptic while we're talking about this because they they do listen and and I know I was talking to Al Rivera earlier he does listen he is listening he wants to come on the show very soon and talk ships with me some more, um, but I, I want to urge them to bump up the hull writing because this is supposed to be our biggest baddest escort. Um, I think it needs to have a slightly higher hull rating even if they don't bump it back to the original thirty six thousand that they stated in the blog maybe somewhere in between even if it's like 32 33 i think it needs to have the highest hull rating of an escort because this is supposed to be our biggest baddest and it's like twice the size of a defiant so just out of the nature of that it should have a higher hull rating and i know there's nobody out there going oh no it shouldn't because <laughs> anyone who loves the akira is like hell yeah so that, that's just just my peace of mind and i hope they hear that and kind of understand that but I think it needs to be at least a little higher, 32 to 34, somewhere in there. I would love to see it go all the way back to the state of 36. But if if they think that's too much, that's cool. Um, I mean, yeah, that's, I mean, 36 oh, is a little, uh, you know, Jog mentions, well, sound, is a little overpowered. It might be. Well, think of it this way: that ship is almost as big, almost as big as a Sovereign, and the Sovereign rating is what 39. Think so. so it's not really that crazy to think 36 when it's just smaller than a sovereign which is at 39 so and it's big enough to be a carrier for crying out loud so it's not really that unrealistic to have that high of a hull rate but i think it needs to be higher than 30 because if a defiant is 30 there's no way this thing has, has the same hull rating that just doesn't make sense right. so sure. I mean, that's a good point yeah so for any 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 devs that, that are listening to this episode please uh rethink that maybe a little bit and bump it up a touch please well, speaking of uh, modifying the ship, it seems that when the ship did launch today on uh, 614, there was a big problem. Uh, people who ended up buying the ship, the first thing they wanted to do was take it into an SDF, but wah, wah, mm, <laughs> that didn't work out very well. Uh, yeah, it was just uh, people that queued up for the SDF, tried to get into the map, and were either were rejected. You could not get into the map. Um, similarly, I, when you try to go in with a shuttle, it just won't let you do it. 
So, um, Cryptic is hot on a fix. Uh, it's slated for actually midnight this evening. So, uh, when you wake up Friday morning, the ship should be uh, capable of going into an STF. Yep. But that leads into the discussion. You know, this this ship should have been tested a little more in Tribble. People should have had their hands on it and, you know, torn apart in Tribble. Uh, Dan does address that later on in our interview as to uh, their their business model behind the triple testing and on these types of uh, these types of ships. So and, and their future plans for that. Yep. So be sure to stay tuned for that interview. In the meantime, hang in there. That ship will be able to blow up board. Well, that's about it for Stone News this week. Why don't we go ahead and uh, I think I think we should give the people what they want. Absolutely. Pina coladas and getting caught in the rain. Oh, wait. That might be what you want, James. Do you like pina coladas? Well, without further ado, the executive producer of Star Trek Online, Dan Stahl. Security clearance level three or above is required to access files. This is Captain Benjamin Sisko. Authorization Sisko Alpha One Alpha. Logs accessed. And it is my pleasure to welcome back to Priority One the executive producer of Star Trek Online, Dan Stahl. Well, hello, everybody. It's me back again. It seems like it's been a year, right? It's been, it's been a year since we started this whole thing. It has been a year. You were our first interview when James and I took over 52 episodes ago. And uh, it's great celebrating the year with you, man. It's, thank you for coming back and joining us. It's been great. And look at all the great things that you've done over the last year uh, as well. I'm very proud of you. You're, you're, you're doing awesome. Well, let's talk <laughs> about Star Trek. I mean, let's Star do Tre- it. Star Trek is awesome. Yeah, I, For those who may not know, I just got, I'm amped up and I'm hyped because I was just on Deep Space Nine as Morn walking around uh, in my Morn costume. I cannot wait for you to see Morn. Morn's actually going to show up. He is going to be sitting at the bar very, very, very soon. Uh, so, nice. if you missed, so if you cool. missed it, if you weren't able to, uh, if you weren't able to see me today, um, he's coming back uh, as a permanent, well, semi-permanent addition to Corks Bar. Uh, look for that in season six. But let's—that's you know—I'm just—I'm just pandering. I'm—I'm I'm having fun. So let's let's keep going. Well, I'm glad. I'm glad the event went well. So let's let's get started. Let's get into the the first question, and this is a very very important question. Okay, this one comes to us from Twig, and he writes, "Dear Dan." Whenever some fanboy starts nerd raging about the game, they claim it's a slap in the face. Are your hands really so mighty that they cross the interwebs and pop out of their monitors to sock them one? <laughs> Have you thought of using this superpower to fight crime? Hey, okay, okay. First of all, I, I want to set the record straight. I do not slap people in the face. I throw them under the bus. And, uh, and I run them over with my bus of executive producerness. Now, honestly, you know, if, if people, it's a, it's a funny question. I, I'm assuming this is just a funny question. Yeah. But uh, the, the idea around people being upset about the game, you know, if, if people didn't love something and if they didn't care about something, they wouldn't be so passionate about it. So I, I honestly think there's a, there's a little bit of, of passion behind Twig. 
and he is is wondering when people get upset about games. You know, there's just been some great articles. Um, in fact, uh, I linked to some articles in the past, just about you know we do, we do get a lot of negativity, uh, and sometimes it absolutely does go too far. I mean, uh, there are plenty examples of developers out there that get death threats and and all kinds of nastiness. But generally speaking, if people are upset about something in the game. It's because they want the game to be better, and they have concerns, and they're trying to address those concerns. Sometimes people take it too far, but, but a lot of the times, you know, it, it's, you have to try and listen past that and trying to get to the meat of, of what their concern is. And, uh, you know, it, when all else fails, throw them under the bus, run them over. <laughs> <laughs> or the slap them in the face. It's a slap in the face. <laughs> Superpower. <laughs> That was I laughed very hard at that question. It was it was perfect. <laughs> it was yeah, awesome. Great. Yes. Lots of face slapping going on around here. <laughs> well, we've got uh, our next question, which is um, uh, a serious one. Um, it's about the next generation 25th anniversary, and it comes from Center Solace who asks, will we be getting anything to celebrate the 25th, uh, 25th anniversary of the next generation. We won't ever get another one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, those those tricky anniversaries. Well, I hope everyone has their tickets to go see um, TNG in the movie theater. It's gonna yeah, be I want to do that. Yeah. One yeah. night only. So if you haven't, go up to StarTrek.com, uh, look for the article on that, um, and, and get your tickets because that's going to be a fun thing. As far as what we're doing in the game uh, in Star Trek Online, uh, we haven't announced anything yet, but... Uh, we, we've, we've been talking about it, and I, I've been asking uh, around with, with some ideas that we're going we're gonna to be cooking up. But uh, I'm not going to tell you what it is or if we're going to do anything. Um, you know, it could be as lame as me getting online and jumping up up down as Picard. Uh, it could be as awesome as giving out something. So <laughs> it'll be somewhere, somewhere in the range of that. All right. Awesome, awesome. Well, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll see something. So we've got a, we had a couple of questions on the forum regarding uh, – content and information and uh, you know what what was coming out from cryptic and what we were um, being informed of so so gone are the days when when you were not only transparent but you know you wore your your thoughts on your sleeve um you know and some some people interpreted the the shift into almost i wouldn't say no information because it's not um like it was when you were gone uh but some people interpreted it as a, a content embargo. They were throwing, a, throwing around that term. Now, it was obvious to, to us, you know, here at Priority One at least, that when you came back, you, you did. You kept your cards closer to your chest. And uh, so what's changed? What's changed between episode 32 of Priority One and today? Uh, do you think you've, you, you found a nice balance? Well, there's something absolutely changed when I came back. And, and part of that was, you know... Um, Part of that is coming back to this team, They, I, I sat down, um, actually all the leads on this team sat down, and we talked about, uh, you know, the way things were before I left and sort of their concerns. And part of, you know, part of that is uh, once, you, once you leave and come back, it's sort of like that discussion that you have after you broke up and you're saying, you know, why did we break up? And, uh, and, uh, you can have a more rational discussion about that sort of thing. Not that there was any animosity on the team. Actually, there never was. But it's it's one of those questions where, you know, when I came back, the lead sat down and said, you know, one of the things that's that was kind of 
stressful for people is that we were constantly talking about this feature, that feature, you know, what we could possibly do and promising the moon and, and saying that, you know, uh, being very transparent about every single discussion that we'd ever had about the game. Um, and while all of that was absolutely true and we absolutely had all those discussions and all of those things uh, are, are ideas that are on the table, uh, the concern was is that it boxed the team into feeling like they they had no uh, they had no way to control the future of what was going to happen because uh, if we wanted to change something or if we had a different idea or or a, a new opinion about which direction to go in, it, we were just less flexible. So one of the agreements I made coming back uh, was is that we were just going to be a little bit more guarded about what we're actually working on and and sort of under promise and over deliver uh and get to get to the to the idea of i don't mind talking about things that we're working on but but i'm not giving dates i'm not giving time frames um i'm, I'm trying to find that right balance you know i just had this chat on uh deep space nine and we talked about you know uh seasons past season six and you know i can give rough time frame right? i can i can say you know season six uh, is coming out in July, and season seven is going to be sometime before the end of the year. Season eight is going to be, you know, early part of 2013. So, when when you look at that, those are those are sort of generalizations, but things always change. And what happens is people get really upset when I say something, and and it changes. So finding that balance has been tricky uh, because I certainly want people to know that we're working on things and we have a lot sure. planned. It's right. it's not. It's not like we're going day to day and saying, "Okay, what are we going to do tomorrow?" No, we we have we have a pretty long term plan that we're working towards, and it does take a long time to make content to make these missions, and so it's not something you can do overnight. Um, but I'm just not talking about quite as much, so that we can really focus on what we're doing next. And what we're doing next is season six, fleet advancement, and the whole concept behind. Uh, the content that, that is designed for max level players and big groups and challenging enemies. Cool. Cool. Yeah, I, I understand that. I like okay. the the very behind-the-scenes explanation of that, you know, uh, uh, and how your team felt and how you addressed it. I mean, that's leadership and way to go. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> Thanks. That's awesome. <laughs> I don't know if everyone's happy about it, but <laughs> it certainly is tempting. I, I, I end up typing a lot of things in the forums and then deleting it and never posting it. So it's kind of <laughs> kind of sad in some ways, but it's probably good, probably for the best. Pragmatism. <laughs> someone someone said, you know, they like the new pragmatism and, and I'm I'm making that my motto for now. Just don't don't hold information so much that us podcasters will be out of a job. Okay. <laughs> you please, got it. Please don't. Regarding the gated content, can you tell us anything about the driving factors behind them? What uh, data is justifying gated content? So I'm assuming that what you're talking about gated content is you're talking about um, timed events, right? Yes. So we have this events is, in the game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, so, it's a general question that the community keeps asking, which is why have them um, and the ups and downs of them. And, and we've heard... Uh, how they can bring the community together at a specific time. Uh, we've also heard that it's really good to remind people that Stowe exists when they're looking forward to something to come back online to. Um, that's a definite scheduled, yes, this is going to happen. Um, but then there's there's a lot of schedule downsides people talk about. So um, any, any more details you can offer about it that would um, alleviate concern or just explain a bit more about how it works, why it works, would be great. I'm, I'm interested in the data. Like I, I know Elliot would be too. Uh, if you can share any, yeah, you know, what right. what is you know what's going on in the background? What are you guys looking at um, 
that keeps pushing out these timed events. And right, and some people say that it's not even it doesn't bring in more money to to the company. Is that why they do it? Uh, how many people actually do these events? Because you know. Well, we certainly have a reason for why we do it. Um, I don't know if I want to go into all the specific details of, of the game design behind it. But I will say this. I will say that we, we certainly have heard a lot of the feedback about timed content. The, the general overall philosophy behind it is to... Star Trek Online is, as a very heavily instanced game, is not very social, uh, at least compared to other games. And so... One of the one of the concerns we have is that there there's there's not enough people that see other players um, other than sector space unless they're queuing up for events or or doing STFs uh, or or hanging out on a starbase. So we one of one of our goals uh, with the the timed content is to try and provide time frames when players are are going to see things. Uh, see other players. The other the other goal is we have some really sort of high uh, high-caliber content that has some very good rewards tied to it. And one of the reasons why we're allowed to give out such good rewards is because it's only available so often. So the more rare an event is, the higher the rewards we can give for playing that event. Uh, so that's another driving factor. But all of that said, uh, we certainly have heard the feedback, and we're, we're going to be making changes uh, to to some of the event schedules. Uh, we, we still want, we're still going to have timed events, but we're, we're going to loosen up a lot of the time frames and, and really allow for some of the more popular content to be played frequently or, or ad nauseum. Uh, but we will probably be adjusting rewards as part of that. Okay. Cool. That, those changes, those changes, you'll start seeing those changes when Season 6 goes live on Holodeck. We have uh, folks like Whiplore and Soul Laugh. Uh, that are curious about the status of Mark Redemaker ships, uh, especially the Vesta and the Ambassador class. What's the update on the Vesta, please? <laughs> uh, so um, I've been emailing with Mark, and we've been talking, and uh, it's been a really um, long time between emails, but we're, we've, you know, partly my fault, but we're, we're, we're starting to get things worked out. I can't announce anything yet, but I, I can say that he and I are talking, and... Uh, we definitely want to see the Vesta in game, so I think it's just a matter of time on that one. Uh, in terms of the Ambassador class, uh, we have a special event planned for the Ambassador class, and it's tied to some story content. So um, I don't think you're going to see that ship before that happens, um, and that's probably a little, you know, I'd say that's midterm uh, distance away. It's not in the short term, but it's something that's uh, planned for something a little bit later. Uh, you know, we have. You know, I was just talking about how in Zone Chat we have plans for you know season seven and eight after season six, and over the next year we're going to be adding new sectors and, and doing more story content. And so having uh, the ambassador class tied to one of those stories sort of means that it's going to be happening later on. Cool. But but the Vesta, you know, it's interesting about the Vesta is the Vesta is not you know our license with CBS is covered. Uh, covers the movies and it covers well at least the movies owned by CBS and it covers the TV shows owned by CBS. So when you have a ship like the Vesta, which hasn't appeared in either of those things, uh, we have to work out special deals, and that's why it's taking so long. Mm. I see. See, I, I heard that uh, you've made some good progress with Vesta, though. Yes, absolutely. Making Very good cool. progress. You know, awesome. you know, I think it's just a matter of time before we can announce something. Okay. Yay! Awesome. Well, we've got uh, questions related to star bases and the fleets and uh, fleet ships. 
Um, Dalla Lauren wants to know what ships can we expect with fleet star bases? Well, uh, most fleet star bases, uh, one of the tracks that you can uh, go down in the fleet starbase. Well, first of all, let me explain a little bit about fleet starbase. So fleet starbases is a new holding that fleets can build. Uh, and so there'll, there'll be projects that fleets will be able to undertake in order to uh, progress in different tiers of your starbase holding. Uh, think of this as sort of like a, a guild, guild questing um, or, or, you know, guilds working on projects together in order to unlock new features and new abilities uh, that their starbase has. And one of those uh, abilities and unlocks is the ability for uh, a shipyard to appear in your starbase. That shipyard is planned to be able to offer new ships that are primarily targeted towards uh, Admiral, you know, basically level 50 players. Uh, so you're not going to see, I don't think you're going to see low level or low tier ships in those fleet star bases, but what you're going to see is you're going to start to see um, different variants and different skins and different types of configurations of ships that are only available at your uh, fleet star dock. Uh, so that's one of the incentives for getting your fleet star base, uh, you know, star dock set up so that you can uh, you can get those ships. Awesome! Wow, very nice. Now, uh, so there'll be this. There'll be already the ships that we have that we're familiar with. They'll just be variants of some sort. Some of them will be variants. Um, you know, we, we plan to introduce all kinds of ships in the future, but there's going to be, we're, we're still going to be offering ships in multiple different venues, right? There'll, there'll be ships in the sea store. There'll be ships that are available with rank ups. There'll be ships that are available through your, you know, your, your star dock. Um, there'll be ships uh, available in, in lock boxes and rewards and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So this is just yet another place where we're going to be offering uh, a different type of ship. Um, and, Sometimes those ships will be new materials. Sometimes they'll be new configurations. Um, sometimes they'll be, uh, you know, tier five versions of, of lower tier ships. Okay. We have Sparhark Mike. Do you still plan to lower the number of people required to create a fleet to one as mentioned, as previously mentioned? Well, let me let me uh, sort of re master that paraphrase a little bit. Um, so there are certainly a lot of fleets that have one people in them. Uh, one active player. Uh, sometimes this is uh, people that have either been in a fleet and the rest of the fleet mates are no longer active and so they're the only person in there. Um, I don't believe that that you will ever have the ability to have just a fleet of one person, but there certainly are lots, and I mean lots, of fleets that have just one active player in them. So we took that into account when we were designing the fleet advancement system. Uh, you know, we have a, a fleet maximum, I think it's around 500 players right now. Um, and in some fleets, there might even be a little bit more than that uh, for, for some reason. Um, but for now, we want the fleet advancement system to be feasible and at least enjoyable by fleets that are all different sizes. Uh, and so the fleet advancement system was built with that in mind. And so when it comes to creating a fleet of one, I think uh, I don't think you're going to see a feature where you can create a fleet of one uh, specifically, but it certainly can be done. There's thousands of them uh, that are already in that state. Mike Edward wants to know if uh, you can tell us more about which items are used in the Starbase construction. Well, let's see. What items are used in Starbase construction? So, um, Pretty much anything and everything. Uh, you know, different projects take different items. And so there's, uh, depending on the project that the fleet leaders select, you know, you can have several projects running at once. 
um, but there is a limit to the number of projects you can have. And fleet leadership can determine who, who can sort of queue things up to be worked on next. And so those projects all have different requirements and different materials. Uh, those materials range from all kinds of, of uh, currencies, such as uh, dilithium, um, you know, to skill point to bridge officer skill points to items like you know maybe you need a certain number of phaser arrays uh it could be things like uh, duty officers like I, one i saw yesterday was like we need you know you need a certain number of white quality duty officers um there were things like uh dilithium there were things like um really i think that's the gamut of it i think commodity is the only one i haven't mentioned so so there's there's definitely a lot of things that are that are necessary in order to do those projects but it's not it's not a set it's not set for every project they're they're all different or at least very similar or slightly very variable i have a follow-up um why introduce the new fleet merit is it is it like a new, a new currency uh, fleet merit really uh, on our from a technicality it's not because it's actually the old merits <laughs> that that's been there for a really long time we just repurposed it uh, but but we're calling it fleet merit um, and fleet merit is our way of allowing players to instead of introducing a bunch of items that drop in every individual mission for right now we want player we needed some mechanic that allowed players to gain um, gain credit for saying, yes, I was there, I helped defend the Starbase, yes, I was there, I fought the big enemy, um, and so therefore, um, I'm helping my fleet, and I'm helping my fleet Starbase. And so we needed that currency. Uh, so that's one of the, you know, while it seems like a new currency, it's really just a repurposing of an old currency. Um, and we're going to be giving it out uh, in things like, you know, the missions where you do defend your Starbase. And the purpose of that is so that when fleets are progressing, Fleet Merit is used uh, in projects, and what ends up happening is when you contribute, when you contribute anything like Fleet Merit or, fleet merit or, or other things to projects, you earn fleet credits, and fleet credits are what you use to buy uh, fleet rewards that are, you're going to be unlocking. So Fleet Merits is sort of a way, we're going to have a leaderboard for your, um, for your star base so that guild leaders can see who is contributing the most uh, to the star base, right? And Fleet Merit is just another addition on top of that that allows them to sort of see who's actually doing the heavy lifting. Sometimes that's useful for guild recruiting. Sometimes it's useful for, you know, things like who are my heavy hitters? I want to promote them within the guild. It's sort of a, a mechanic that works all the way around. I can understand concerns mm -hmm. about currencies, but this is this is a good one. So it's more of a mechanic than a currency. Well, is it? An, am I understanding it to be more a, an accolade, or it's it's a it's a straight up currency that you will earn, uh, mm -hmm. kind of like skill points as a currency, right? Like skill okay. points is a currency that you earn when you complete challenges. Okay. Fleet, okay. Fleet merit is also a currency that you earn when you complete challenges, but it can only whereas you spend skill points on your skills, you spend fleet merit on your uh, fleet projects. Okay. All right. Cool. Cool. Right. That. Yeah. Hopefully that's... that. Hopefully that helps uh, explain a little bit better. Okay. Yeah. That gives a lot of clarity. Cool. Oh, you know, on on that that same line. Um, talking about uh, things that you you get that are either currency or uh, gear that you find um, is is tech and all that salvage and things like that. Are they going to ever become account bind instead of just your character uh, character bound? 
we just had a, a big powwow. Um, you know, we put the account shared bank out for gold players um, uh, a week ago, and we've been gathering feedback. Um, we do plan on offering more account shared bank slots in season six uh, that anyone can get. But before we do that, we want to make a bunch of changes to account items. Uh, and I don't have the complete matrix, but we're going to be making quite a, quite a few changes so that some items that were previously bind on pickup are going to be account bound uh, nice. so that you can trade them between your different characters on your account. So that change is coming. Um, it's uh, currently slated to be part of season six. Awesome. Midnight Shadow 7 asks, will there be an easier way for people to search for fleets and request to join them? Uh, easier way to search for fleets. Um, we are, I don't know the details specifically of all the changes we've made to the fleet UI, but we, we are looking at uh, making some, some additions to help fleets in that, in that matter. Obviously, the big, the big request is to be able to, uh, kind of where I was talking about that fleet merit and that fleet contribution number, the reason why we want to have leaderboards is so that not not only can you search for fleets and see their fleet level, so we're adding a fleet level, uh, and that is going to allow players to say, what level is your fleet? Uh, and that's sort of how, how far have you progressed down your fleet system. But we're also uh, doing that on the reverse so that players have a contribution level so that, you know, if fleets are recruiting, they can see, well, how you know, how much merit um, have you been earning and how much contribution have you made in the past, that, that sort of thing. So, so sort of a two-way street uh, uh, way for, for people to, to sort of get a better idea of who's who. And um, I don't know of any specific mechanics around improving the search feature itself, but I know we're talking about adding those levels so that uh, players are more informed. Cool. Uh, well, let's see. Uh Phyrexian Hero wants to know, can you give an update on what changes we can expect to fleet actions, especially those like Crystalline Entity and Fluidic Space? Well, one of the first things I did when I returned to the helm here is I started looking at the um, fleet actions and trying to improve them. Uh, the, one that w the one that was just absolutely driving me personally up the wall was the KDF uh, minefield map, the Federation minefield map. Uh, so we got that updated. And so the crystalline entity and the fluidic space are sort of next up on my to-do list. Uh, you know, we got the Romulan temple to be somewhat playable uh, as well. So uh, I, I look at those things as those are those are updates that happen when um, content time frees up and there's a little bit of lull between uh, scheduled events that the content team's working on and we sort of squeeze those polish and, and I, I kind of look at them as like retrofitting old content. Um, and we do get we do get that occasionally, but it's it's not hard-coded onto a specific date on the schedule. They sort of happen when they happen. So uh, when it comes to uh, crystalline entity and fluidic space, absolutely we'll want to update them. More fluidic space than crystalline entity. Um, Personally, I'd like to see fluidic space be more of a uh, play more like an STF. Mm. Um, and so um, that's, that's sort of where we're, we're headed with that. We'll see if that happens uh, in, the near, in the near future. Okay. Be curious to see how that goes. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, it's such a beautiful map, and there's, so, there's some really good options for gameplay in there. But I think the current fleet action is just uh, it's kind of messy and, and, and challenging and, and not quite uh, as good as we expected. We've got King Docs asking, can we expect an update to the captain's table? There still doesn't seem to be a reason to visit it, and it would be nice to know when it will be updated. We were just talking about this today. In fact, uh, Al, Al uh, came by my office, and we were talking about the captain's table. And um, 
right now we're we're evaluating a couple different changes that we want to make. Um, Al made some proposals, and I I listened to them. And while I don't want to commit to anything, uh, we do want to get some functionality in there uh, because it is sort of a forgotten space within the within soul system that that needs to be addressed. You know, I I think the 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 idea I like the best is putting some unique DOF uh, assignments in there. We'll see. We'll see what happens. All right, Brad34, um, and it looks like Voices in the Dark both wanted to know if there's any news when poker or any new mini games are going to be added. <laughs> this uh, it's funny. I, I was just joking about this uh, <laughs> earlier with the software devs because it seems like mini games happen when the software developers get bored and they don't have anything else to do, and so they make mini games. Um, I think they do it because it's fun to make mini games. Um, but currently, they're so slammed with bug fixing and season six uh, and, and general feature support that um, they haven't had much time to do this. I mean, we, we were able to get out the the, um, the mini game with the dilithium mining. That sort of happened. Uh, so when it comes to poker, it, there's a dev here that really wants to do poker. But but in, unless he uh, unless he gets some free time uh, and, and actually gets it done. Um, it's sort of on him. <laughs> we'll see if it happens. But new, but new mini games do happen. I mean, they they do happen. They're just, yeah. I just never know when they're going to happen. Okay. We've got uh, Ally of the Force and Sean Newboy. When can we expect improvements on crafting, uh, such as new sets, uh, an increase in in marks and rarity? Oh, and uh, when are we going to get warp cores? Well, I can't speak to the warp core question, but I can speak to crafting. Uh, we, we are going to start working on crafting uh, here soon um, after Season 6 ships. Uh, crafting is going to take a little, a little while because we want to make some pretty big changes there. Uh, we don't want to, we, I, I don't think we're planning on remaking the system, but we definitely want to improve it. Uh, and so uh, that is currently on the schedule somewhere between Season 7, Season 8. Uh, is kind of what I'm thinking, maybe closer to February of next year. We'll, we'll have to see. But that's uh, that's something that we've got some great uh, internal documents about what we're going to do. And uh, right now they're just waiting for the, the okay to start working on it. Cool. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. More things for fleets to do. Woohoo! Yeah. Well, and, and on top of that, that you know, Champs just uh, did a lot of. Uh, they just rev- completely revamped their crafting system as well. So we. Um, we also have the added benefit at looking at all the changes that they made in their code base. And because we're on a, a sort of a shared back end, um, there's a lot of things that we can import into our uh, into our game and, and get it to work in our system as well. So uh, so I think you're going to see some, some good changes happening in the future for crafting. It's definitely not one of those things that we've forgotten about. It's it's definitely on our on our to do list. If I can f- follow up a, a moment with the que- uh, a comment you made about the code and between the games, uh, I, a while back it was said that Star Trek Online was on a different code base as com- uh, compared to, let's say, Neverwinter or the other games in development. Um, has Star Trek caught up, in, in so, so to speak, if I understood the, the description correctly? Well, uh, I said that's you, there was a word there that you missed. I said the core code base. So we have a core uh, so there's there's core system, which is sort of the engine and the back um, the back and uh, code base that sort of drives the tools and the editors and, and things like that. But then each game 
has its own branch and its own version of that code. So, for example, there's powers and features and changes that work in Star Trek that wouldn't work in Neverwinter, wouldn't work in Champs, um, without them completely, you know, uh, porting that code over and trying to get it to work with the way their systems are set up. But uh, for a system like crafting, that's something where the tools in the editor has been updated universally. Those features are just not used in Star Trek Online. That's the kind of system where we can merge that code over into our uh, that core code over into our code base, and then what we can do is we can then do the the additional work which is necessary to make all of our game code work with that core code. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that that explains a little bit better. Yes, yes, excellent. Mm -hmm. So, Kieto13 uh, wants to know, will there be more sets and set pieces to be released in the near future? And will there ever be a system to mix-match the sets on our ships? So, I I'm assuming they're talking about the interior. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, sets are probably interior and bridges. So, for example, we've, we've done some pretty cool uh, bundles, right? Like we did the um, original series bundle, uh, which had a ship and a bridge and interior. Uh, we did the... Uh, Belfast, uh, the, basically the Defiant uh, ship interior, uh, and that was pretty awesome. So are we going to do any more of those? Yes, we're absolutely going to do uh, more of those. I think the, the next two that we, we've been talking about are uh, like a TNG and a Voyager set. Uh, what a, uh, you know, those, are, those are the ships that I think would be next in line, uh, but we don't have anything specifically on our schedule yet. That's sort of one of those uh, things where um, we get, you know, we probably get one of those a year um, because they're it, it, pretty time intensive to, to put that stuff together. Um, but, you know, you never know what happens. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we, we definitely want to keep making them because they're, they're really fun. They're fun to make. And don't forget, it's the 25th anniversary of TNG. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that's a little bit out of out of scope for the for the TNG anniversary, but that would have been awesome. Um, we'll, we'll have to wait and see what happens. So, uh, so Kieran Darkstar would like to know if uh, there'll be a return of the uh, the ability to merge your cryptic and PW accounts um, for those of for those people that declined it a while ago. Yes, uh, we are. In fact, we're trying to get all of the cryptic accounts merged um, as soon as possible because we, we want to, um, because there's some benefits for us doing that. So you're going to see us merge systems. Uh, we're going to be offering the ability to merge here very, very shortly. So, uh, and we may even offer an incentive to do that. So keep your eyes out on the forums. Um, we're we're going to, the PW folks are working on it, as well as a bunch of other website changes. Uh, so that'll be coming in the very, very near future. FSC1N1N and Alistair Forthright want to know, why did you guys scrap the testing period ability for new ships on Tribble? Well, you know, I would say that we uh, we had a different process in place, but looking at the ship that just went out today, that probably wasn't a, a good idea. So we're talking about it again, uh, you know, whether we have a strike force that tests ships or whether we come up with a new process, but we certainly do need to make some changes there. There's already been some post-mortem discussion about that. Uh, we definitely want to have uh, player feedback. Um, sometimes we get a little bit too much feedback, and it's difficult to make decisions uh, because no one, not everyone can agree on how things should be. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, we're trying to find the right, the, right, the right balance and the right way to do that. Um, so look for some changes coming probably before the end of the month. Very, very cool. Yeah, I, I, heard, I heard some people talking about uh, 
really, really wanting to be a part of the testing so that they could feel like they're helping to prevent any uh, problems with ships that come over. Some are asking, you know, why don't we have ships anymore on Tribble? And and it seemed to work really well when they'd start off on Tribble first before jumping over. And um, at least from their, their point of view and from what they saw, I guess there were some bugs with um, some uh, particular ship that came over and they thought that it could have been prevented if it had stayed on Tribble or been on Tribble. And that and that's sort of a a long-standing story that has happened previously. But in terms of allowing players the ability to test, we certainly are reconsidering uh, our our change to that policy. And you might see something very very soon that would allow players to continue testing these ships again. Uh, I would also mention that Star Trek Online, if you go to crypticstudios.com, uh, there are open positions for QA testers on the Star Trek team right now. Uh, so if you're in the Bay Area and you want to be a Star Trek online tester, um, send us your resume. Apply. Do you, do you pay for relocation? <laughs> <laughs> for QA, I'm not sure that's in the cards, but uh, if you're in the Bay Area and you want to be part of Star Trek online team, feel that you under, have a good grasp of the game and want to test, uh, please apply. Um, we, we'd love to see your resume. Cool. How about telecommuting? <laughs> about to, well, see, in, in, in some ways, you know, that's why people are asking for the ability to test these ships on Trouble, because in, in some ways, it, it's, sort of, it's sort of like QA testing. Uh, and so it's, it's good experience for the people that are doing it. I could see why people want to continue to do it. So uh, we're reconsidering. All right. Our next question is uh, from Azurian, and he asks, many people still have not gotten the Mark 12 ground set after hundreds of STF runs. Over the past seven months, what can you say to these people who have encountered this bad luck? I would say I'm sorry. It is bad luck. We've looked into the odds over and over and over again. Honestly, a lot of it is simply it's a very confusing and complicated system because you have to run the right STFs. You've got to be in the right difficulty setting. Uh, You've got to get the lucky drop. Uh, It's a pain in the butt, to be honest. Uh, And we're going to change it. And we're going to change it in Season 7. And we're going to make sure that uh, there's a better way to do it. Uh, and uh, that's already in the cards. And so we're, we're, we're already talking about how we're going to make those changes. But rest assured, it's still, you know, for the people that are doing it right now, we're not, you know, we're not changing the EDCs and that kind of stuff. We're just going to be making the whole concept of a mega fleet and how you get rewards out of a mega fleet, we're going to make it better. We're going to, we're going to take all your feedback and make it better. Wait, wait, I'm sorry. So via um, via the fleet, not necessarily a change to the SDFs. Not necessarily a change to the SDF, but definitely a change to the, um, the whole concept in general. Uh, so that's something, um, you know, we're, we're looking at something maybe along the lines of, of more of a reputation system, um, or even the ability to to track, you know, how many STFs you're doing, that that sort of thing. Uh, so don't give up. We're, you know, if you haven't got you haven't got your set yet, and you, or if you have given up, uh, change is coming. We're gonna we're gonna make it better for you. Um, but we can't say the odds are the odds are set. People are getting the sets. Um, it's just bad luck. Sorry. So you guys are considering people who have. Can you track? Can you track that? Like, for instance, you know, uh, if Azurian ran hundreds of STFs, can you track that and then port it into some way of a reward system? Or is it if 
would the technology end up being something like, oh, well, we, we, you end up having to start almost from scratch? We can certainly look at it and go, wow, bad luck. Um, okay. we, we can certainly do that, uh, but that requires looking at the data after the, the game, after it's happened. Mm-hmm. We don't have that system in, in game. Okay. Uh, we sort of have to look at the logs and go back through, and, and we certainly have done that. Uh, so that's why we're going to make some changes. We're, 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 it's coming. Well, um, VMink, KDF, and KBF Lord Krug wanted to know, um, well, they say, not to beat a dead targ, but has there been any progress made in determining if there will be any further KDF development versus what they are considered, uh, what they consider to be already done? Well, this is a dead targ, and uh, it certainly <laughs> comes up quite, quite often. Yeah. Um, let's, let's get very specific with this question. Are we going to add KDF levels 1 to 18 or 1 to whatever the level is when you start currently uh, on, uh, on Kronos, on the, on the first city? So uh, right now, what I've said, and I'll just repeat the same answer here, what I, what I continue to say is right now all of our efforts are focused on uh, making KDF content that is for max level players. Why? 90% of all KDF players, well, actually all players in general, are max level. So, so when you have that many people asking for what can I do next, it isn't a very wise play time or it's not a very wise time for me to go spend resources to add levels that would require people to make entirely new characters. Now, maybe there's, a, maybe there's a point in the future where that's a strategy and we want to do that. But right now, I'd rather focus all of our efforts on KDF content. Um, and really what we're talking about is mixed faction content uh, available for both factions um, at max level because that's where everybody is and that's the content that you're going to be able to play with your main. If I went back and made uh, you know, a KDF tutorial, sure, there might be some more players, but we, we, we've done tests over and over again. It's going to be 16% of the player base because that's what it is at Star Trek conventions. That's what it is in every other Star Trek game. It's, it's a constant, right? So there's people do love the KDF. There's a, there's a good chunk of people that do that, but it's certainly not the majority. So yeah. is it, So if we're going to add those, if, if and when we add those levels, there's going to be a, a specific time frame and a specific strategy around it. In the meantime, we're focusing on content for, for the people that are at max level and waiting for the next bit of content. That makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, now, on that, that content that is considered done, uh, the lower levels, I know that there's a lot of things that need to be tweaked and, and debugged. Um, some of it I found really frustrating when I did my first KDF character ever. So I, I leveled up to, I got up to 50 with my Fed. I started doing some STFs, and I said, I think it's time I'm going to make my first KDF character. And I jumped in. I, I got the hang of it really fast because I, you know, I, I had experience now um, knowing how Stowe works and how how picky it can be as well as um, how gracious it can be. Uh, started leveling up pretty fast, but I, I still found those starting levels, those, those starting missions to be um, very frustrating, almost equal to what nearly made me walk away from Stowe when I was starting my Fed character. Just just a lot of glitches with basic starter missions and, uh, and, and a feeling of it being maybe overpowered. Um, so I was wondering if they're going to go back and uh, just revamp or at least clean up those initial missions so that they're not too intimidating to somebody who's um, still developing in the still world. 
Well, that's, you know, that's one of the reasons why we upped the level of when you could start a Klingon character is because of the, those sort of frustrations. We knew that, that people who are new to the game find the KDF to be challenging um, simply because there are some challenges there. And some of those are bugs, some of those aren't bugs. Um, and so one of the purposes behind making a Klingon tutorial and making, um, making that lower level content is to address the concerns that you, that you have. And so right now, it's, it's not a matter of, is it, would it be a good idea? It would certainly be a good idea, but is it prudent for what we need to do in the game right now? Um, I don't think it's prudent right now, given the number of people that are in that situation. Um, I think there's far more people at Endgame saying, where's Endgame? Where's, where's the rest of the content? Where's the new sectors? Where's the new challenges? Where's the new enemies? That's the stuff we're working on right now. Okay. There's a there's an important one though that that's tied to that starting KDF thing and then that's costumes because there's hardly any KDF costumes in comparison to the Federation. So a lot of people were wondering when we're going to get costume ads for the KDF. Well, costume ads for the KDF um, is it, again it, it's a resource management game, right? And, and part of it's chicken and egg, and and you know this is the dead target that we're we're beating. Um, it, it's this idea that. Um, when when you only have so many people that can make costumes uh, and you look at the number of people that are going to use those costumes and the number of people that would use that costume is far, far less than the number of people that would use uh, another type of costume. And uh, add, in a, add in the fact that KDF costumes were built differently. They weren't built to be uh, customized with kits kind of the way that Fed costumes were uh, because Fed costumes are body sock forming and, and KDF costumes aren't. Uh, they also show different amounts of skin uh, because of the alien species. And so they're a little bit more challenging. They're, challenge, mm -hmm. they're more challenging to build. And honestly, um, a, as a business, I sort of have to look at the return on investment. And, and is, it, is that the right place for me to spend my character art time? Or is making the Tholians uh, a, a better spend of that character art time? And so that's, that's sort of the decisions we have to make. Uh, if I had endless, limited, limitless resources, I would make thousands of costumes for every species. Um, <laughs> but a, as it is right now, um, we're really focused on getting the Tholians in game. And, and not only the Tholians, but there's a lot of other critter uh, enemies and, and critter groups out there that we need to get in the game as well because we need new challenges. New costumes mm -hmm. are great, and we will add them whenever we can. But a lot of the times when we've added costumes, it's been tied to stories and it's been tied to... Uh, other content, it's sort of a it's sort of a, a bonus that we get when we do other content and other missions because it's either part of the story. Uh, for example, the prison uniforms happened because it was part of the story, uh, and and so that's why those costumes got made. Okay. Uh, I I will say, for example, with the Klingon starbase that are coming in season six, you are going to see some new Klingon costumes that are associated with that. Nice, so there's nice. Klingon, uh, Klingon uniform, and I think there's a new Klingon skirt, a new Klingon top uh, that's, that's related to that. So it's not like we aren't making them. It's just we, we make them in conjunction with other things, not just by that's themselves. Cool. I, I think it just makes people feel better to know that it's, it's on the list. It's just absolutely it comes down to what's the priority and, and yeah. honestly how, what keeps you guys going um, on the uh, business side. So I yeah. totally understand that. Cool. cool. Thank you. So, Dan, before you go, I'd like to... Um... Leave the mic open for you. What kind of uh, tantalizing tidbits of information can you share with us? Uh, perhaps an exclusive. PV PVP stuff, foundry <laughs> costume stuff, lifetime subscriber, like regarding the sale, like why, why should people subscribe? Um, even something talking about feature 
uh, feature episode content, like if it's going to overlap in season six or be solidly season seven. So any of that stuff. Well, there's lots. Those are all very uh, lots of great topics there. Um, I'll touch on a little bit of all that stuff. Let's talk about the Foundry. So the Foundry uh, in season six is getting uh, um, an update, and part of that is uh, again we talked a little bit about code base. Part of that is importing some of the awesome code base that's been happening. Uh, with the Foundry on Neverwinter. It doesn't mean we're importing all the Neverwinter features because those features aren't done yet. Uh, those features are still being worked on for Neverwinter. But there's hints of them in the code base, and so that's why we're, we're switching over as soon as we can so we can start taking advantage of those. The biggest feature I've talked about is, is this, this sort of uh, dream we all have of being able to edit interiors room by room, sort of like how you do in The Sims. Uh, that feature I've seen working in Neverwinter uh, on the dev machines. Uh, you know, whether or not they ship with that feature is still who knows, but uh, it is something that's, that's been under works, and so that's why I wanted to get onto that code base, because it, it, it helps us get close, one step closer to that. Now, that's... So you're going to see some nice new features in the Foundry um, that are sort of nice to have for, for those who are in the editor all the time. But you're also going to see new assets tagged. We, are, we, have new, we have some new employees that their entire job right now is just tagging uh, Foundry assets. Uh, so we have a new artist who's going through maps and going through props, uh, trying to get, uh, uh, there's a whole you know, laundry list of items that he's trying to get tagged in for Season 6. But you asked about the lifetime sale. I think the Foundry is a really good reason why you want to be a lifetime member. I think if you like making content or if you like playing uh, with the, that editor and if you want to be, uh, take your crack at sort of game development or mission development, I think having a lifetime subscription sort of not only guarantees that the missions you make are going to be around forever, um, but it also just gives you all those conveniences. So I think there's a lot of people that do take advantage of that. And that's kind of one of the reasons we do it, right? Like we, we want to give, we want to give incentives to the players who, who want to be involved in the foundry. And, and that's a great way to do it. Uh, you know, it's, it's really no, no sweat off my back to, to offer that, that, uh, that discount there. So you also asked about PVP. Um, PVP is, uh, something that we know is is an issue in Star Trek Online. Uh, we have uh, one of our best content developers, Gozer, who made all the SDFs. He's been specifically asked to to dive deep into PvP and figure out what's, you know, where it could be better and how to improve it. He's already made some ridiculously awesome changes internally. Um, things like making it so that uh, all, like, PvP arenas are mixed factions and any level. So, for example, all players are leveled to the same level, and you can be uh, mixed teams, right? So you can have Klingons and Feds fighting against Klingons and Feds. That that change alone would be hugely dramatic for the PvP crowd, because not only do you not have to worry about the different PvP queues, you can just queue for a PvP map and not have to worry about if there's enough Feds or enough Klingons. Yeah, you yeah. don't have to worry about what level you are. It just works, right? So, so that change alone is, is a big change that we're yeah. working on. It's already, it's already in progress. Um, in terms of new maps, that's where we want, we want to see better, uh, better maps and we want to see better game types. And we're going to focus on space first because people love space combat the most. And so we're going to focus on building good, fun, 
objective-based space PvP maps, and it is Gozer's entire goal in life right now is is to make that happen. It's not going to happen for the launch of season six because we're still testing it internally, and there's some software that he needs in order to to make those objective maps work. But it is something we've committed to, and something that we're going to try. There isn't a whole lot of players playing PvP right at this moment, uh, and really. We're hoping that when we put these changes out, we're going to go baby steps. We're going to put some of these changes out onto Holodeck. And if things improve and we see a pickup in the number of people playing PvP, then we're going to go from there. And so that's where we're headed with PvP. Um, in terms of tidbits and other things that we're working on, I, I think I've been mentioning in interviews and, and online when I, when I do chats with folks that, you know, I have been, you know, kind of going back to the beginning where we started with this interview, I have been a little bit more reserved about what we're working on, but we are working on a lot of stuff, right? We've got Season 6 coming out with fleet advancement, new content, new missions. Uh, some of these missions are, are, are really challenging and some of the more 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 fun fleet-based content that, that we've made. You know, it's funny, we call things fleet actions in Star Trek Online, but but uh, they've never really been designed for fleets. This content is designed for fleets, and so that's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to that. But beyond Season 6, you're going to see us focus on features like the Foundry Spotlight. You're going to see us focus on things like uh, making small crafts easier to get in and out of. Uh, you're going to see us start to, to work on things like crafting, and we're going to start adding sectors to the game, right? You know, season 7 is going to add a new sector to the game, uh, and we're, you know, we're already planting the seeds of, of, of seasons well ahead so that we we will start just adding a lot more content to the game than you've ever seen added. Awesome. Uh, and so so that's that's what I'm excited about. That's why I uh, myself and the rest of the team love coming to work every day because we've got a lot of great things uh, coming down the road and we're we're excited about what we're building. So uh, we have we're having more internal play tests now than than we have in, in many moons uh, simply because we're we're just loving the fact that we're making content again. So this is this is a great time to be playing Star Trek, um, and we're really excited that, that uh, other people are joining us in-game. Well, keep that excitement going, and make sure you talk enough where you have to come on these podcasts and talk about it. <laughs> back, back to the beginning of the episode, we don't want to be out of a job. Of course. Of course. And, and, this you know, is there's... awesome, though. Thank you so much for all of this. This is great. Absolutely. And thank you guys for the service that you do uh, for the community. Uh, I think the Star Trek community, again, is just bar none. It's, it's the best community uh, uh, out, out there as far as uh, I've seen. And I, I've been a part of a lot of communities. They're just part of that is just because they're Star Trek fans. And, and yeah, I, I got to agree. This, it's the first community that, that uh, really made me invest in, in MMO and, uh, and just feel at home. So I, uh, I finally have a bunch of Trekkie friends. It feels great. Yes, it's, it's Star Trek, and uh, we're going to continue to make it Star Trek, and we're looking forward to it. I'm also, you know, and there's a, lot, there's a lot of other Star Trek things going out there in the world other than Star Trek Online. Uh, so it, it's exciting to see Star Trek live on. You know, there's new J.J. Yeah. Abrams movie coming. Uh, we're looking at the, the DVD remastered of the TNG series so uh, it's you know Star Trek isn't no by no means dead and Star Trek is just going to continue on and mostly because of of, of people like yourselves and, and people that are, are continuing to just enjoy what was uh, what Star Trek stands for so kudos to everyone thank you so much for letting me come on here again I'm going to head out and, and go test some more stuff uh, but thanks for the time and on all the thank great you. questions if I didn't get to the to your question I'm sorry you know we'll, we'll try and do more of these so we can get more questions yeah answered. yeah yeah this is my first time getting an interview with you so I'd like uh, like to do another one Elijah's uh, ahead of me now <laughs> very cool very cool thank Dan, you thank you so much for stopping by we very much appreciate it it's always an honor having you 
Absolutely. Live long and prosper. Live long and prosper. Yes. Well, thank you, Dan. Now let's open hailing frequencies and see what's incoming. Message coming in, sir. Hailing frequencies. Open. See, we are getting to know each other. Our first piece of feedback comes from the Star Trek online forum. Sean Newboy writes, excellent show, guys. Keep up the good work. Ninnick writes, indeed, always fun. Watch out for those hook spiders. Yeah, James. <laughs> it was big. And from our Twitter feedback, at Lennon Rich sent in, I so can't wait for the next episode. Thank you, Rich. Neither could we. Our next piece came from at Trek News Views, who said, have a great show, all. I, for one, am looking forward to Starbases and Tholians. Me too, buddy. Tholians Me too. should be cool. Oh, it's all going to be cool. Starbases, Tholians, the works. Yeah, yeah. And with email, Captain Devour, or Diver, says, hey, peeps, in the last couple of episodes, you have been debating time-gated content. Personally, I think it's great for new players and individual players who aren't members of big fleets. It allows them to easily find groups for group content and or increase their, uh, their social interaction with other players. However, it's a complete bummer for those in fleets or with large groups of friends. In every fleet, guild, supergroup, clan, or whatever I have been a member of, we have always planned ahead of time nights of the week to do group content. Tuesday night my, uh, might be uh, STF night or whatever. This does not work with time-gained content. How about this first solution? Keep the time-gated content as it is. However, also have a low-tier item for your fleet starbase that allows preformed groups, probably from the same fleet but not required, providing the team leader starbase has this item, to contact Starfleet and start these time-gated missions whenever they want. What do you guys think? Well, uh, Destal commented a little bit about it earlier, where uh, I brought up the whole or, I'm sorry, Adrian brought up the whole thing about uh, time gated content. Um, I mean, they're looking at revising it, uh, and it's interesting in the way that they would. Uh, I think that having them more frequent with uh, less rewards at certain times or um, better rewards at prime times is an option that they have. But, uh, you know, I, and I understand why try to do it. You know, try to bring together a community that um, has gone solo. You know, it's a solo game. This is the first attempt in not making it and making it feel like an MMO. Uh, and is it the best solution? No, but I think it's the start, and uh, I'm looking forward to what they add. Yeah, and I think it's, I think it's a good idea that he's got though about the uh, uh, seeing if groups can just start their time gated missions whenever they want to. So they they get in there and then they sort of I guess I guess you could save them up and collect them until you're ready to to, to do them. So that you still have that, that community togetherness and everybody meeting at, at a particular time and, and not forgetting about the game, which is good for, you know, the game's PR um, and promo. Promo, sorry. But, um, you know, I don't know. That, that is a cool idea, though. I hadn't heard some that one before. I understand why they're doing it, but I don't agree with it. I mean, I, they're doing it to, to kind of control the flow and the amount of things that you can get towards building these bases they're basically trying to slow you down from building your base too fast otherwise you can run these as often as you want collect as much no, stuff no, no, no. we're talking about just the uh oh oh yeah okay all right you're right yeah yeah i'm talking about the right thing so you know i understand that they're trying to control the flow of that thus slowing down anyone from just like raging building a star base in like the blink of an eye and stuff somebody's like going to though somebody's going to it's there we're you know. probably going to 
<laughs> you know what I'm saying? But I'm, I, I'm just, but I understand that's why. The problem is it doesn't work with real life. It's great for controlling the flow of the game and all that kind of stuff as far as things getting built, but that doesn't work for pe real people, you know? I have a crazy schedule as a tech. And then I got school, like right now I'm at this training, you know, and it's like your life is just too unpredictable to try and gate two hours out of a day, one in the morning, one in the afternoon or something, and try and make that. It's just not going to happen for most people. And that's an issue. You know, if, you know, you're talking about this is an attempt to bring people together in the game. I disagree. I think this is going to pull more people apart because you can't get everybody to line up for that one hour. Whereas if you can stay on for a couple hours and grab people as you go, coming going, that's what gets people together. But, you know, trying to say, okay, everyone has to be here at this point or we can't get together and play that one thing that we all want to do. Well, I didn't say that it was a good. I didn't say it was a good uh, solution. No, I, I think it was. No, I know what you're saying, but you you were saying that it it helps. Um, you know, they're trying to tie the game together and, and pull people in the fleets, and I think that's a good thing. I don't disagree right. with that. But I'm saying that this the gating things hurts that. It doesn't help that. For the for fleet star bases, I could see that, but uh, like the events, like the shuttle events, things of that nature, some people haven't even been able to play it because it just the right. time doesn't work out for them, and that's a problem. Right. But I've played the shuttle but event once because likelihood is that we're a majority, right? You know, and when it comes to free to play, <clears throat> whatever gets a crowd of people together and having the area buzzing, it seems to be working. Now, you know, D Stall says that you know they're they're working on some new ideas and and uh, to to get the same result. So we'll see what happens. Right. Yeah. And I, and I wasn't there to talk to Dan about it, but um, you know, and like I said, I understand the whys. But I, I think they need to, to try something different because it's not going to work for a lot of us. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to hurt the game in the end more than help it. Um, so, you know, they either need to do more time slots, like four or five times a day or something like that instead of two or whatever it is. Or I'm not even sure how many times they're getting it right now, if it's three or four or what. Um, the last time I, I looked, it was like two, twice in a day or something like that. But um, they're going to have to put more instances more often or something that, you know, I don't know. Like she said, create a or, or our listener said, you know, create a private fleet instance where you can do it yeah. for like a much lower reward, but maybe you know more often. So. Yeah. Well, I think they need more time gated content if they're going to have time gated content. Right. Well, or or maybe even maybe even just to where they can set some type of mechanic to where it's a limiter. So where it says you can create your own instances at any time as a fleet, but you can only do it so many times a day. So as a fleet, you can instigate, you can launch five instances or something, or three instances or four or whatever. But you can launch them whenever you want. Now that would be cool. That's cool. Yeah. Because then you like, can arrange it on like the fleet schedule about, yeah. board and find out what works for everybody and kind of narrow right. it down. And then that's boom. That's a great idea. That's that's probably the way to go right there. Well, don't forget to submit your feedback to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com or head on over to our website priorityonepodcast.com and use our handy little submission form well that wraps up episode 85 thank you for joining us once again on our adventures or should i say misadventures through space at least if you're riding with elijah don't forget to join us on live stream every thursday evening around 4 30 p.m pacific standard time give or take a few check us out on twitter via at still priority one for showtimes We've been getting some amazing feedback, and we play well to a live audience. So please join us and uh, share in the fun. Keep an eye open for Alex Calderwood's Priority One Comics on our brand new website, www.priorityonepodcast.com, and Facebook. 
While you eagerly await ARC 2 adventures, be sure to catch up with the comics via our website. We are looking for your suggestions and ideas for Blank of the Week and field notes and general show improvements and additions. You can submit your ideas and questions with our online form on the new Priority One website, www.priorityonepodcast.com, or via email to incoming at priorityonepodcast.com. Or you can check us out on Facebook or Twitter. We be on Facebook. Get on over and check us out, facebook.com slash podcast. To have your Foundry missions featured on the show, send in the name of your mission, a brief description, and your at handle to incoming at PriorityOnePodcast.com. Or use our online submission form at our new website, PriorityOnePodcast.com. We will personally test out your mission and review it on the air. We would like to thank our guest, executive producer Daniel Stahl, for joining us this episode. Our executive producer, Elliot Ten, our production assistant and artist, Alex Calderwood audio engineer and host adrian grady special thanks to our sponsor geek nation tours our syndication partners subspace radio trek radio and hollow suite magazine and last but certainly not least the stoke community without you none of this would be possible it's true say good night everybody good night everybody red alert shields up ready weapons engage What what? No, I was like, what what? Like, you know, yeah, my homies in Vegas. What what? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I totally ruined it. Uh, the ball says we're gonna go into blank of the week, but now we got James. But James is all drunk. You, you guys are dirty, you're all balls and things tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no more drinks for this guy. Like, you know, like a uh, buddy boy. I'm doing my part. <laughs> I'm always oh. live. I'm oh, live. <laughs> Awkward. Now let's uh, open up some frequencies. <laughs> let's open up a can of frequencies. I was going to say, what are we drinking? Oh, God. I, I got distracted because I was flipping through two files and my computer stalled. <laughs> did it Dan stall? I did. I Dan stalled. Oh, don't count we would like to thank our very special guest, executive producer. Producer. <laughs> I'm going to tell him you called him a producer. <laughs> He's going to be mad. Yeah, that was funny. <laughs>